Hi everyone, RE Rule here to invite you to join our giveaway. For a chance to win a unique Tiny Tales bookmark, all you have to do is leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform, take a screenshot of it, and send it to us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or any other social media platform. The winners will be randomly selected on April 1st, 2023. For details, visit tinytalespodcast.com forward slash giveaway. What's the third C for? The voice was so faint against humming ventilators, metal utensils clanging against grills, the spit of frying food, that Noah almost didn't look up. A woman stood over his table, a red plastic tray in her hands and a faded floral bag wedged under her arm. Noah stared, quickly swallowed. What? His voice creaked past the half-chewed bit of kimchi burger stuck in his throat. Other people sat scattered throughout the food court, alone or in solitary clumps, but this woman, this stranger, stood and waited for something from him. She balanced the tray on one hand and pointed toward the wide glass wall at the end of the room. Outside was the long metal port arm thrusting out of the station, its proximity lights strobing. Carriers swarmed around it, porting and detaching, coming and going, all bright colors against the blackness of space, all weightless and silent. Noah had left his carrier in the port nearest the station. Its yellow side blazed in the artificial lights. Red letters and a comet with three C's caught in the fiery tail. Comet Carrier, the woman read from the side. What's the third C for? Corporation. But it doesn't say that. How is anyone supposed to know? Her tray leaned dangerously as she slid her hand back under it, shoulder twisting to clench the bag under her arm. Noah stared from the woman to his carrier 
back to her. I don't know. That was how his carrier looked, as impossible to explain as the reddish tinge in his hair. It simply was. I suppose they'd have to ask. Her eyes turned down to the empty chair across from Noah. Noah looked at it too, saying nothing, until she turned and went to sit beside the view window. She sat with her back to him, the tray of food in front of her, her bag at her feet. But she didn't eat, only looked out the window. Cooling grease trickled down his wrist, reminding Noah of the burger still in his hands and that he was staring. He quickly averted his gaze to the window, like he'd been looking at the view, then hunched over the table again. His tablet was still propped up next to his elbow, chattering, but he didn't recognize what was playing. She might have sat with him if he'd asked her. He hadn't thought of it. He realized his armpits were wet and fidgeted in the plastic chair, making it creak. How had she known it was his carrier? She would have had to see him port, see him disembark. But her worn jeans and loose blue shirt made her look like a tourist, not a carrier driver. Maybe separated from her group. Noah stole another quick glance. She hadn't moved. People carriers didn't come here, not to this empty region. There was nothing but construction and shipping carriers. Noah ate in the noisy silence of the station, his elbows aching on the cold metal table. When he finished, he wiped his hands on his thick, dark, synthetic pants. All carrier drivers wore them, tossed his trash into the compactor, and headed to the washrooms. See one station, stand a moment in the bare, tiled hallways, and you've experienced them all. The clatter of voices echoing on bare walls, a single rack of drooping, forgotten magazines and brochures, food kiosks clustered around eternally sticky tables, washrooms with timed showers that always ran out a minute too early, a laundromat, booths for pay-by-the-minute video messaging for a glimpse of Earth, if you could tolerate the lag, a forlorn plaque on the wall honoring some unknown person for unknown reasons, a desperate attempt to make this place seem important, a corner store overflowing with stale candies and snacks and cheap toys from two years ago. Maybe a blinking casino sign pointing to a dingy corner stocked with slot machines. And outside, the carriers lined up in their ports. Beyond, the emptiness of space. 
stations had everything a traveler could need, except privacy and silence and a comfort that sterile white lights and mop-streaked floors couldn't give. A different color scheme, a different tile pattern, different food. This one had sushi, but all monotonously the same. Noah splashed cold water on his face. He didn't bother to shower, and trudged through the hallways toward his port and carrier, boots squeaking faintly on the floor. Hero's sushi blinked neon on the wall, dancing chopsticks pinching a sushi roll. Noah had never eaten there. With Earth's oceans 100 million kilometers away, space sushi was deeply untrustworthy. Maybe she worked here. But then why the bag? It was too big to be a purse, meant for traveling. He would go back and ask her. She would still be there looking out the window, reading the side of the carriers. She would look up, startled like he'd been, recognition flashing in her eyes. Imagine being recognized out here so far away from anyone or anything familiar. But his feet took him back to the carrier. The indicator on the door had turned green. While he ate, the port had finished pumping stale air out of the carrier and clean air in. Noah punched in his access code, and the door slid open with a reluctant hiss. Stark white lights flickering on inside. Hundreds of hours in his carrier, and it still smelled foreign after every port. Like he'd never been in it before. The scent of his existence and breath, the comfortable nest his presence had made in the last leg of his journey, had been sucked away, replaced with an antiseptic sterile smell, like a hospital. Noah always felt slightly nauseous until he was used to it, or his being in the air had mellowed it again. A voice spoke over his shoulder. You travel alone? <gasps> Shit! Noah whirled. The woman stood behind him, bag in hand, craning to see over his shoulder. Her eyes flicked curiously over the control panel, the parallel seats. She tilted her head to see further back toward the hard bunk and cramped bathroom. And you're not allowed to take passengers? Noah blinked, shook his head. She shifted the bag to her chest, wrapping her arms around it. Well, would you want to take me? If you could. Noah glanced nervously down the hallway. Two men stood next to a port, further down, chatting. Maintenance workers, maybe, with a panel pried open in front of them. He frowned, shook his head again. No. She slid past him, 
darted up the two steps into the carrier, climbed over Noah's seat, and landed in the other, tucking her bag by her feet. Sorry, it's just, if you wanted me to come with you, I couldn't. I couldn't trust you. Noah stood in the doorway, one hand resting on the side of the carrier. Liability, insurance, maybe that it just cost too much to pay two when one would do. Whatever the reason, he was supposed to travel alone. It didn't matter what he wanted. As soon as she sat down, a sensor would have triggered to activate the safety systems. The carrier logs would already have recorded his disobedience. I really can't. But she just folded her hands in her lap. He frowned toward the traitorous sensor light. It hadn't come on. When he eased himself into the control seat, his own sensor flashed a bright orange. But she was invisible. Not there. Noah looked again at the empty hallway, heard a voice somewhere further down, and quickly slid the door shut. Where are you... Where are you going? She didn't answer. She was looking intently around her, but the slight purse in her lips didn't loosen. The cabin pressurized making Noah's ears ring softly. Muffled, like through water, the port clamps hissed and whined as they released the carrier into the empty arms of space. He switched on manual controls and eased out of the port, following the flashing beacons toward the acceleration tubes. A line of carriers was waiting at the entrance. There was always a line. Noah pulled to a stop and sat in the uneasy silence of the carrier's hum. He readjusted in his harness. His stomach felt oily with guilt. Or the burger. If he had told her the sensor wasn't working, she probably would have left or bounced on the seat to make it work. And he wouldn't have her thrown out. Any other way, there would have been a scene where he didn't want one. He glanced at her uneasily. For a moment, desperately wondered her name. Decided it didn't matter. She hadn't said anything, hadn't moved, only sat stiff and straight, looking around. The carrier in front of them slid into the acceleration tubes. The machinery's growl grew to a roar, and then the carrier was gone, hurtled into the emptiness of space. Noah waited for the all-clear light and eased into the tube. Sensors took readings, double-checked his destination, and began the acceleration process. The tubes began to turn, a slow, clunky jerk to the left. One degree of difference here meant a completely different destination. The tubes roared again, deafening like a vacuum. The carrier shuddered as the momentum built, 
Noah eased back on manual controls, releasing completely as they exited the tube. The bright cabin lights flickered out, replaced by the soft violet glow of the in-flight lighting. Empty space caught them like a velvet cushion. The woman let out a quick breath next to him. Noah glanced at her, saw her fingers clutching the seat. He'd been through the tubes so many times it had lost any thrill. Now all he felt was the slight drop in his stomach when the carrier was thrown forward. He sat back in his seat and pulled out his tablet, flipping idly between programs and seeing nothing. Until either the carrier demanded he retake manual control at the next tube entrance, or something went terribly wrong with the journey, he could only wait. It's beautiful. I guess so. Points of light began to dot the blackness, turning the emptiness into a tapestry of stars. Noah had looked at space long enough for it to lose meaning, to be only the emptiness between stations. He checked their heading, made sure they were still within margin for a safe entry into the deceleration tubes. Light throbbed ahead. Safety crews had made the slow crawl with manual engines to intercept dust fields or debris that threatened to push carriers off trajectory. A fine net was stretched wide like a black spiderweb, blinking against the vehicle lights and distant stars. Another blink, and they'd streaked past. Noah's stomach twisted again. Normally there was nothing to remind him of velocity, of how fast he was hurtling through space. Normally, it felt like he wasn't moving at all until a static object crossed his path. I wish I could go all the way with you. Noah turned to look at her. I don't go any further. This is the last stop. Then I turn around. To leapfrog back the way he'd come, port to port, all the same, all slightly different. But why, when you could go anywhere? Noah turned back to his tablet and shrugged. It wasn't his carrier. It was just a route, pre-programmed, predetermined. When he looked up again, the woman was leaning forward, stretching toward the open space before them like a kite straining at the end of its string. A silver tear ran down her cheek, dripped from the line of her jaw, 
Noah looked away. He woke with a start, like a voice had called for him then fled without leaving an echo. His tablet had slid off his lap to the floor. When he bent down to pick it up, he realized the seat beside him was empty. Over his shoulder, the blankets on the bunk lay stiff and unwrinkled. The curtain in the narrow bathroom door was shoved open, shuddering slightly. Noah hunched over the controls, rechecking the heading. There had been no break in the perfect vacuum. The carrier was hours from the last port, days from the next, where alarms would blare, telling him to prepare for manual control. And she was gone. Vanished as if she'd never been there. He sagged in his seat and vaguely realized he couldn't remember her face. A station attendant slowly mopped, wiping gray streaks across the tiles. On the wall, a neon chopstick flickered and went out. Below it, on a bench, sat the woman in jeans, staring at her hands, the tattered bag at her feet. Another Port All the Same was written and narrated by R.E. Rule. Music and production by Frank Narat. Other voice talent provided by Gretchen Pilly and James Barnett from the Night's End podcast. Gretchen is a voice actor and singer. Visit GretchenPilly.com to learn more about her. To hear original short stories with an emphasis on the dark and speculative, be sure to check out the Night's End podcast on your favorite listening platform and visit nightsendpodcast.com. 
Tiny Tales is on Discord. Visit tinytalespodcast.com and click on the Discord icon to join our server. Please consider becoming a patron of the show. For just $1 per month, you help maintain the show and you receive exclusive access to Tiny Tales soundtracks. Visit tinytalespodcast.com and click on membership for details. Thanks for listening. <laughs>